AJ is my name, and uh, I'm here in my last year of MDiv. Uh, I work, work part-time here, uh, a student job at the college under John Campbell as his assistant. And I'm from India, but you would have guessed that already. So I just wanted to uh, begin with the did you know section. <clears throat> did you know that at the founding of Hogwarts, the Gryffindors and the Ravenclaws were given the high towers of the Hogwarts castle to live in? and while Slytherins took over the cool dungeons. And with all the cool places gone, the Hufflepuffs, bless their hearts, were given the only place you don't see in the movies and the only place nobody wants, uh, the school's basement. And I know how that feels. Thanks be to John Campbell. Even though I walk daily through the darkest basement ever, I'll fear no evil, for I remember who put me there, and I'll remember that even when I'm grand old. I want to begin by thanking every member of the ADC family. You all took me in two and a half years ago as, a, as I was emerging out of the lowest point in my life. You didn't have to, and you can certainly do better than me, but you did take me in, so thank you. And thank you for making this education financially accessible to international students like me. The fact that we pay the same as the domestic students makes me feel like I'm worth it, like L'Oreal makes me feel. And the fact that we pay only $9,000 per year makes it so much more accessible when it easily could be around $32,000 a year. I did not find that information on the Tyndale website. You didn't have to do that and I wouldn't be here without that uh, and so I'm ultimately grateful to this institution and all the people who make this institution possible. I also want to thank the people who honored me with their gift of friendship. I wouldn't be who I am without their help and their influence on me. And just another thing, uh, before we begin, I wanted to acknowledge a controversy that's been going on, that looks like it's been going on ever since the beginning of Western Christianity, certainly feels like it. And I know my view never catches on, nobody seems to stick to it for more than a while, and I thought this opportunity would be the perfect stage for cementing my stance on this particular issue that's really important to some. So essentially, now I'm going to give you a tool to help you understand my perspective on this controversy, so that you know. All right, let me share my screen here. This is the phonetic pronunciation of my name. This is the answer, people. I mean, I don't know if I can do better than this. This is the best tool humanity has to offer. It, has to offer. Take it, memorize it, take a screenshot, and I hope you never have to feel sorry that you're not able to pronounce my name correctly. You know, you can always call me Bob, Dude, Ajay, AJ, or use the phonetic pronunciation here, Ajay. It don't matter. Uh, I'm just happy to, call, to be friends with you all. So let's jump into the sermon I have here. So today's sermon is about Ishmael. Why Ishmael? Well, I'll tell you. I think there are three ways to preach a sermon. The first one is the Steph Curry way, which would be the three-pointer, which is self-explanatory. If you're not good at, but if you're not good at coming up with three points, given any passage, be Psalm 117, Matthew 1, Numbers 1, 
Well, you can always go the James Brown way, which would be the I feel good way. Uh, you know, you can always feel good or <laughs> be emotive and share your story uh, and hope that people learn from your mistakes. The more mistakes, the better, and naturally some of us are a, a better fit for this over others. No, Andrew Conrad, I'm not looking at you. And if both those ways don't work for you, they can, then you can probably just preach on forgiveness and hope that the people forgive you for your sermon and the mistakes you make, like I'm making right now. I almost went with option three, as I had no idea what to preach on, and I was at my wit's end over the Christmas break. And one day I was sitting at my desk trying to learn some Spanish. This had nothing to do with a certain TV show that rhymes with hose. And I was learning from YouTube and Googling some fun words from an online dictionary. And the Google Assistant went off by itself on my phone. Has that ever happened to you? Well, well it asked me, did you mean lectionary? And there it was, the answer to my ordeal. And I was in love. It was love at first auditory perception. I was like, wow, Google. I love you. I really do. And Google replied, I love you too. And I'm glad to finally have your attention. Would you like to update your privacy policy so that I would basically own you? You know I want you. I want you all. I ended that conversation right there. Anyway, long story short, when Jesus gets tired of being the right answer to every question, he sometimes points to his electionary, like, like it happened with me. And that's why Ishmael is my new best friend today. I don't think that feeling's mutual. So, whatever happens from right now, uh, just let grace flow freely like a river. And just a disclaimer, I'm interpreting this text uh, through the lens of my own experience, which, is, which happens to be one of the significant African approaches to interpretation as well of the scripture. And so whatever questions I'm just asking, I'm asking it just being me, uh, being honest with you all. It may sound blasphemous, but treat what follows as a sound. All opinions are my own. And uh, let's go. And I'll be in the basement afterwards if you want to stone me. Anyway. So you remember the reading today. You know the general story as it was read. So let's just jump in and start asking questions. The first question is, who is Ishmael? That's a very boring question to ask because we know who he is, but let's stretch ourselves and define him in ways we don't naturally do. We know him as the firstborn of Abraham, the father of the North Arabian tribes, according to Jewish and Islamic traditions. But what else? Feel free to jump in, if you are able to think of any. Thank you for joining me in two minutes of silence to honor the beauty of silence, but let's move on. There are two accounts. Son of Hager, thank you. There. Uh, thanks for that. So, moving on. There are two accounts of Ishmael in chapter 16 and 21, similar in its content and set apart 13 years from each other. However, the gist of those stories is that Sarah feels threatened by Ishmael and Hager especially because Hagar is with child, threatening Sarah's status, and the child, being the firstborn, overshadowing Isaac's status and, and by having a right to Abraham's wealth. 
Well, Hagar and Ishmael were said to be cocky in the text, in other words, of course, the usual stuff that happens in families. But Sarah here was working to avoid a kind of a political takeover. That what, that's what she seems to be doing. She is the mastermind here. And if this was the House of Cards, that would have been entertaining as we cheered for the anti-hero figure. But no, Sarah does what is best for her and a child. And so she treats Hagar and Ishmael poorly. And not only that, why does God seem to favor Isaac over Ishmael? Why is an individual not important as another? Why is Ishmael given the wilderness while Isaac is promised fertile lands? Why couldn't he accommodate Ishmael, even though he seems to be the result of human disobedience? Why? It seems human choices and God's choices favor one at the cost of another. Well, we may argue in the long run all families are to be blessed through the line of Abraham and Isaac, but I am not satisfied. What about the people now? And there might be an argument saying, well, God said so, and that was enough for Abraham to trust him and let Hagar and Ishmael go. Imagine yourself to be Abraham in the 21st century and Sarah is saying all these things. Wouldn't it be convenient to tell others in your community, in your Christian community, that God told me so and so I did this? God told me or led me so is something common we say to explain our actions. But are we sure they're not our own intentions? Isn't that simply an easy way out to convince others or put an end to social pressure? However, for the purposes of this sermon, we will restrict our discussion to human choices and not what God did here, because that's a more complicated study deserving of more time. And we will not be talking about God giving me the wilderness, even though I wouldn't hide my disappointment about the nature of that arrangement. Now, Ishmael didn't pop up by himself in the present, like in those Terminators movies. He came to be because of the choices certain humans made, and he went on to be inferiorly treated for no fault of his. He didn't ask to be born. He seems to be the product of human disobedience, which again, no fault of his. And here he was abandoned by the people with power and treated unfairly. That's the problem statement we are trying to solve. And when I think about this, I get angry, because for some of us, that's probably been our experience one form or the other. We are Ishmaels of some kind too. doesn't matter where you're from in which family we were born into, who we know, what we do, what we have studied. We have all experienced inferior treatment of one kind or the other, based on certain societal or authoritative norms in place, of which we have seemingly fallen short, according to these people. Ishmael's mistake in this case? Well, he was not born of Sarah. Is he less worthy because he was born of Hagar? No. But he's seen as trouble with, by a person with power here, which would be Sarah. As we hold on to that thought, let's move on to the next question. We know who Ishmael is in the story, but who is he figuratively for us? What does he represent in our lives? I think he represents the real-life breathing consequences of our own decisions. It's as if we give birth to Ishmael in others because of our decisions to look at them in a different light, because of who they are what they know, or what they have studied, or what they are capable of, of their social status, and so on. And who will be judged and treat, treated unfairly as long as the consequences of our decisions remain in play. Every decision we make has a thousand unseen repercussions, 
it's impossible to know all the outcomes we are facilitating or inhibiting as a result of our decisions. But we can at least avoid or make penance for the Ishmael's arising as a result of our conscious decisions. I believe a majority of the Ishmael's arise as a result of abuse of power, as I've said before, the power to choose to do something or not, the power to choose somebody over the other based on our biases. But now, I refer to biases neutrally, not negatively, for we're all biased. Some biased towards coffee, some biased towards hot chocolate, a certain TV series over the other. You get the point. Anyway, in a wrongfully attributed quote, Lincoln once said, if you want to test a person's character, give them power. And this is a classic case of don't believe everything you read on the internet, also said by Lincoln. Coming back to power. You know, this is cliche but true. <clears throat> power psychologically alienates us from everybody else. As we get more power, others matter less and less to us. So what do we do? We can't get rid of power. There's too many social and business structures based on power. Can get rid, we cannot get rid of all the choices. It's not practical. So we're stuck with power, social, financial, political power, and all that. And so when Sarah said this to Abraham, and Abraham said this to Sarah, there's pure power play. These people, Hagar and Ishmael, are at their mercy, and they're just playing with their lives. We have suddenly become more sensitive to this kind of power being employed over others in today's world, in the 21st century. But I think it still happens in our minds to a lesser extent. It's just the way our minds work, nothing wrong. So just to recap what you've talked so far. One, we may have had Ishmael-like experiences of some kind or the other when we were inferiorly treated or even rejected based on some norm. We, can't, we cannot do anything about it. That's, we, that's the past. Can't change the past. And two, we ourselves create Ishmael through our power to choose like literally and figuratively, and this we can control. The power to choose the power to choose to do right or not. Now there is a place for power, uh, for choice and the power that comes with it. From a consumer point of view, choices are good. But our, by our choice of a product, we are contributing to a market force that will ultimately, through competition and innovation, result in better products for us. By exercising our choice as well, we'll eliminate bad products and companies that don't want to innovate anymore, and while leaving only the good ones. However, shall we approach humans and human relationships with that same mindset? I think we should tremble at the power of choice we exercise in our relationships. The Christian duty is summed up in the love of God and the love of our neighbor. Therefore, we cannot mess around. So, what can one do? Preference of one over the other, even if it be in our minds, leads to disaster. Cain and Abel, let me bring them to your uh, mind now. Uh, irrespective of the fact whether we believe Cain and Abel's story to be true, that's a story that accurately captures the human condition. When we are given the impression that someone else is being preferred over us, and that seems to be unfair, that's going to turn us into vengeful, acid-spewing creatures. Preferential treatment kills. A society that prefers one over the other will lead to chaos. I don't need to convince you of that. You have seen it, experienced it. 
So let me tell you a little story about how a tiny Ishmael could have been created in me years ago. So back in India, I was when I was about nine years old, there was a school trip planned for a water theme park uh, with all the water rides and everything. My friend and I were ready to go. We arrived at the school with all the money that was needed to be turned in for the trip, about 250 rupees. And my friend took out a small wallet to pay the teacher for the trip after me. And then he turned towards me and looked at me in horror. Oh no, I forgot to take some extra money for the, uh, to buy stuff on the trip. And I realized I had forgotten about it too. You too? My friend exclaimed. Yeah, 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 I replied. All right, I'm going to call my father, he said. And off he went to call his father from the school's office. My friend's father arrived five minutes later and we met him at the gate. He took 50 rupees in Indian currency and gave it to my friend. And then he looked at me. I was a little ways away. Then he called me and he asked, what about, what about you, my son? And I said, I forgot my pocket money too. He took another 50 rupees and gave it to me. And I was astonished that he would treat me just like his son, give me the same amount of money that he gave his son. I was nine years old. But I knew at that time that people do give preferential treatment to their own. But this man was different. And throughout my life, I've come across friends and people who have treated me as they would treat their own. They had no reason to. They didn't have to. I hardly knew my friend's father. He barely knew me. But 17 years later, I'm still inspired by what he did. And I'm constrained and molded in my own choices by what he did. My friend's father could have easily created an Ishmael in me by simply choosing not to ask that question or saying that he was sorry to hear that I had no money or giving me one-fifth or half of what he gave his son. But by treating me equally like his own son, he instead drove me in another direction. No Ishmael was birthed that day and no Ishmael suffered that day. And sometimes... We give rise to Ishmael's. Sometimes we are too late. We've already done the mistake. By comparing people and doing that so explicitly in front of those people. This happens in families, comparing a sibling to another or to another person outside the family on based on what they do, what they've studied, and their social status and all that. And that in and of itself is where the preferential treatment begins. That's where, this is just an example, but that's where Ishmael's start getting made for no fault of theirs their birth right there. Why should Ishmael suffer inferior treatment because of our biases, which are in most cases self-informed biases that don't help anybody? Well, the only thing to do in such cases is to make up for the damage we have already caused. Love equally, cause an imbalance of love leads to further fortification of stereotypes and social unrest in the long run. Embrace your Ishmaels as you would your Isaacs. Embrace your Ishmaels as you would your Isaacs. The world would be a much better place if you did that. Now, we're at the end. and That was too fast. Now, you know, I love to repeat things for two reasons. Now, one, you're never sure if you're able to convey your ideas. And two, I'm a bad three-pointer. I can probably manage to tip in a point. So this is repeating it for the millionth time in the sermon. The one thing that I would like to tell you is take care not to create Ishmael's through 
preferential treatment or biased thinking, but it's a fact that we are going to create Ishmael's knowingly or unknowingly. And when we realize that, don't chase them away, or even worse, turn a blind eye towards them. Embrace your Ishmael's as you would your Isaacs, without making any excuses. Celebrate them, even, because you have a responsibility towards them, because you gave birth to them. Own them as your own. Thank you for your time.